the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is WWTC Minneapolis St. Paul FM 107.5 K298CO Minneapolis fueled by Lucky Station With SRN News I'm Gordon Griffin the White House says President Donald Trump wants to explore a twice rejected proposal to send migrants to sanctuary cities but that's not the preferred solution to fix the straining immigration system press secretary Sarah Sanders says it's one of many options though she hopes Congress will work with the president on a comprehensive immigration overhaul. There is a renewed push across the country to issue driver's licenses to illegal immigrants. It resonates with rural agricultural workers who say driving is a necessity. A dozen states, including California and Illinois, already allow people here illegally to get licenses. They accept documents like tax returns for ID. Another blue state, New York, is among six states where illegals and their advocates believe a friendlier political map Give such a measure a fighting chance. Rich Thomason reporting. This is SRN News. True or false? You can grow closer to your spouse through disagreements. It's true. And on May 17th, Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley of Focus on the Family are coming to the Twin Cities to show us how it's possible. The Power of Healthy Conflict is an evening of practical strategies to achieve greater intimacy in your marriage. Tickets are only $25 per couple, so reserve your seats today at am1280thepatriot.com slash marriage. We're dealing with a high of 46 degrees today, mostly sunny skies, a low of 31 tonight, increasing clouds, and then the next few days should be pretty nice until maybe some rain on Wednesday. And the next trade-away event is coming up April 26th and 27th here in the Twin Cities at Calvary Lutheran Church in Golden Valley, the church I grew up as a kid, so that's pretty cool. Visit tradeaway.com to register for that event today. And we got the Andrew Parker Victory Hour coming up right now here on AM 1280, The Patriots. AM 1280, The Patriot. Across America, it's snoring season. Right now, 90 million Americans make this sound every night. Snoring can be caused by breathing...
Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. He is uh, the first and now uh, will uh, and has presided over the moving of the embassy and the construction. And we're going to talk about the uh, talk to the deputy mayor of Jerusalem, uh, Fleur Hassan Naom, who is going to be with us momentarily. You know, I want to talk today, uh, before I do, next week on the show, and I just want to remind you of this, Karen Monahan will be uh, with us. Uh, Monahan, the uh, girlfriend of Keith Ellison uh, at some time for about five years, actually, and was uh, and has accused him of abuse. Uh, physical and emotional abuse, both. This came out during Ellison's election. As you know, Monahan, as you also probably know, I represented, and she is going to be joining us on the Victory Hour next Sunday, so make sure that you tune in uh, to the Victory Hour at that time. Jot this down with your number two pencil and yellow pad, 651-289-4488, and you can give us a call today. On the Victory Hour, with anything you have on your mind, we talk politics, Israel, and the law each week. We have the trifecta because we are going to talk politics. It's going to be Israeli politics, amongst other things. And Fleur Hassan Naom, who received her law degree from King's College uh, in London, I do believe, uh, will, I'm sure, tie in some of the legal aspects based on some of the questions I'm going to talk to Fleur about in just a few minutes. I I first want to just touch on uh, this week and what has happened here in the United States this week as it relates to anti-Semitism, as it relates to issues I've been talking about over the last several weeks, even before Ilhan Omar, representative of the 5th Congressional District, who you all now know well, Uh, for her anti-Semitic comments, uh, her anti-Semitic tropes that she has spewed forth over the last many years, but uh, a number of them very recently. And just this past week, she now has expanded her somewhat flippant attitude as it relates to Islamic terror and radical Islamic jihadist terror by referring to 9-11 as an event that some people did something. That was her comment uh, when she was speaking to a, uh, a group out on the West Coast, CARE. Now, you know about CARE. It's a, it's a front group for the Islamic terrorist organization Hamas. They are staunch supporters of Hamas and apologists for Hamas. Recognized by the United States as a terrorist organization, there are countries in this world that do not view Hamas that way. But we're going to ask the deputy mayor of Jerusalem a little bit about Hamas and she can educate us about the reality of what Hamas stands for. Most of us know, but but some listening may not. So make sure you stay tuned because we're going to talk about that group that Ilhan Omar flew halfway across the country to speak to, CARE, which is a supportive group of Hamas, why it is that she would go there in the first place, but secondly, why would she refer to 9-11 as an event where some people did something. And as she tiptoes past the grave sites with uh, ne'er even a comment about Islamic terror. Care is also an unindicted uh, co-conspirator in the Holy Land Foundation scandal uh, and has supported many with blood on their hands. This is not an Islamophobic attitude by yours truly at all. No, this is calling it out for what it is. Now, what happened this week after Ilhan Omar made the comments that she made regarding some people doing something, referring to 9-11, there was was an outcry 
from Americans uh, on both sides of the political spectrum and on both sides of the aisle uh, against Omar and her comments. But there were two members of Congress, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Rashida Tlaib, who went to the, came to the defense of Omar's comments. She has not even been isolated by these two. No. They say that the outcry is bigotry in and of itself. It's bigotry because she is a minority, a, an, a, an African uh, woman. African-American woman cannot uh, be called out when she makes anti-Semitic remarks or anti-American remarks, which I dare say is what she most recently made. It's called what I've called the cone of protection. If you are a minority, you cannot be anti-Semitic. If you are a minority, you cannot be bigoted or racist. And frankly, the African-American community, the likes of Al Sharpton, have been using this for a long time, and it's absolutely wrong. We want to live in a world where bigotry and hate disappears, where anti-Semitism and Islamophobia both are gone, rid of any space, rid of any oxygen, and completely destroyed. That's what we want. And we need to be able to call out people when they engage in such conduct, when it's bigoted comments. Well, this week, you call out certain people, you see what happens. You're the bigot. You're the one who has racist attitudes. So what is that? What has happened with that? I mean, it, that's that's the problem. The the liberal community has co-opted, and I'm you know I'm talking the fringe liberal community, but it's being allowed by the mainstream liberal community. They have co-opted concepts of bigotry and hate and racism to protect their own bigotry and hate and racism. They support the most misogynistic, the most, uh, the, the, the most bigoted. And, you know, it's it, countries in the Middle East, the most misogynistic, the most homophobic, genocidal groups, that's who end up getting supported as they call Israel an apartheid state. as they side with the haters. These are liberals who are doing this. And it is the bastardization of liberal progressive thought. Remember, again, I was a liberal most of my entire life. I have walked away because I can't watch it anymore. Western Europe used to be a bastion of liberal governments. Now they've they have fallen off the cliff of hate, of using racism as a sword to cover their own bigoted attitudes. The term has just gotten watered down. Uh, Far too much. I'm going to bring on right after the break uh, the deputy mayor of Jerusalem, who is a rising star in the state of Israel political scene. As you all know, this uh, past week, enormous elections occurred in the state of Israel, very close elections, and we're going to get a full report on the election results. We're going to have a little education on the election system in Israel, if you're unfamiliar with it. And we're going to ask Floor Hassanom about 
Whether Israel is an apartheid state, as you hear so often across the pond, but you're really starting to hear it much too often here in the United States. You make sure to stay with us live from the Jewish state of Israel. The deputy mayor of Jerusalem will be with us on the other side of the break. Don't go away. And during this break, go to ParkerDK.com where you will find one of the best websites you see anywhere, often referred to as an award-winning website. Again, ParkerDK.com. We'll be right back. AM 1280, The Patriot. Is a verbal contract really only as good as the paper it's written on? This is Andrew Parker from the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. I recently represented a client in a claim for unpaid compensation. He was promised payment of $1.8 million in bonuses. His employer refused to pay, citing no written contract. We went to work. After investigation and litigation, we won the case and recovered $2.3 million for our client. Our experienced trial lawyers at Parker Daniels Keyboard have secured major victories in state and federal courts across the country. We have legal expertise in all types of business disputes, labor and employment matters, real estate matters, and financial transactions and appeals. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard a premier law firm that provides efficient, aggressive, and innovative solutions to complex legal problems. Go to parkerdk.com. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Did your employer make you sign a promissory note when joining the company, and now you want to leave, but you're afraid your firm will pursue you personally for that debt? This is Jesse Keyboard from the law firm Parker Daniels Keyboard. I recently represented a client who had signed such a note, and I was able to get them out of their $500,000 debt to their company, which allowed them the freedom to exit a bad employment situation and enter a much better one. Meeting our clients' objectives is our focus at Parker Daniels Keyboard, and in this regard, we win. Our experienced trial team of lawyers at Parker Daniels Keyboard have secured major victories in state and federal courts across the country and through arbitration. We have the legal expertise in all types of business disputes, labor and employment matters, real estate matters, shareholder disputes, financial transactions, security issues, and appeals. For wise counsel, winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard, a premier litigation law firm that provides efficient, aggressive, and innovative solutions to complex legal problems. Wise counsel, winning results. Go to parkerdk.com. told me you had a beautiful singing voice. <laughs> you can't help but sing along. It's a great song. Sarah, smile. It's a great song. Yeah, nobody wants to admit it, but when they're alone and she comes on. And me together. Well, don't worry. This is a safe space between you and me. We can sing all day long and have no regrets. It's a beautiful day and the victory. Sunday, 
best hour in radio anywhere, and this segment is going to tell you why. Live from Jerusalem, Israel, the deputy mayor, the Honorable Floor Hassan Nahom, joins us on the Victory Hour. Floor, born in Britain, raised in Gibraltar. Her father, Sir Joshua Hassan, was a chief minister for a couple of decades. She moved back to the U.K., to go to law school at King's College, earning her degree there, and uh, now is touted, and I was just reading a couple of articles about Fleur as a, a real rising star in the political scene in the state of Israel, uh, both in Israel, but, but, but more so uh, as an ambassador and as uh, uh, somewhat of a foreign relations expert for sure in uh, Israel's continuing daily slog to bring truth to the beauty of that great country, which is a light unto the nations. Floor, thank you so much for joining us at around midnight uh, in, in Israel on the Victory Hour today. It's my pleasure. It's lovely to be with you. How are you? Very good, very good. Floor and I had uh, some time in Washington, D.C., where we met and talked about some of the issues of the day, and I uh, was very happy to be able to coordinate to have some time so you could all uh, gain the wisdom of the Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem. Uh, Floor, how, how has it been since Donald J. Trump announced for the first time that the United States would recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Of course, Israelis have had that in place on the ground and, and the realization of it for many decades. But, uh, but now with the United States recognizing it, other countries coming along, how has it been since that acknowledgement? Well, it's been really wonderful because, uh, as you just said right now, you know, Jerusalem has always been the capital of the state of Israel. Uh, we knew where our own capital was. We have all the arms of government here. We have the parliament here, the Knesset. We have the high court. Um, so we, Jerusalem has always been our capital. But the recognition from the most important country in the world, the United States, was very, very significant, significant for us as a recognition, but also geopolitically, um, what other countries were going to be doing since. And since the United States announced, we've had Guatemala, who've already moved their embassy. We have the president of Honduras, who announced a couple of weeks ago that they're moving the embassy. We've had uh, a countless amount of countries saying, well, we're going to start by moving our trade offices to Jerusalem. So it's a step towards it. So it's been extremely significant, not just because of the United States, also because of the effect it's had on the entire world. And when I was in Washington, um, I was very honored to to meet with officials in the State Department about the new embassy that they're going to be building in Jerusalem. And we're going to make sure that the building itself is a very central part of the city. Fleur, tell us, uh, what is your role as the deputy mayor of Jerusalem? I believe your portfolio is foreign relations uh, and then I want to talk to yes. you about the uh, election system in Israel. Yes, so I have the the amazing uh, privileged role of representing Jerusalem to the world. Um, and that involves also in terms of trade ties to different cities around the world, collaborations with cities around the world, as well as all the philanthropic uh, funds that are coming into Jerusalem, making sure that that's strategic. I'm also in charge of tourism uh, and all the diplomatic affairs that Jerusalem needs to do. And Jerusalem, you know, is very significant, not just because it's a capital city. But... Looks like we lost her. her we, may, we may have a feed lo- loss there. The cap, as, as Fleur was saying, we'll try to get her back mm. uh, on the air uh, as soon as we can. But as Fleur was saying... Uh, it is it is certainly not only the capital, uh, you know, of the state of Israel, uh, but it is the home of the triad of most significant uh, religions in the world of Islam, Christianity, and uh, Judaism. Fleur, are you back with us? I'm sorry, I'm back. Yes. Okay, um, very good. So, 
<laughs> so what I was saying was that Jerusalem is uh, is the largest city in the country as well as the capital of the country, but it's also the most diverse city in the country. In Jerusalem, we have 38% Arab East Jerusalemites, we have 30% ultra-Orthodox Jews, and then a third is everybody else. And what it brings is an, an amazing opportunity for Jerusalem to be the laboratory for models of coexistence. And that's how I see the city. I see the city as an opportunity to, in order to be able to do some decent economic development with marginalized groups, try and bring them into the mainstream of the economy, but also as the best platform in the region um, for developing models of coexistence. It's it's beautiful, and it's, uh, I mean, it's one of a kind. There's no other city like Jerusalem in the entire world, for sure. Uh, also, mm-hmm. the home of... Uh, uh, you know, of three religions coming together with with significant uh, places of worship, all within just a few mile area, and with the and with the freedom of worship that all the religions understand and know that uh, um, mainly under Israeli sovereignty, everybody has a right to worship the way they want to, and that's not something that you can take for granted in the Middle East. No, it is not, and it was not the case prior to. 1967, uh, when uh, Jordan controlled uh, Jerusalem. It simply, factually, was not the case. Uh, Let's talk about the election uh, system in Israel. Give a little uh, 1001 tutorial for our listeners. I know that, you know, I I did this a couple of weeks ago. There are 120 members of the Knesset uh, in order to uh, gain any seats in the Knesset, a party must get 3.25% of the uh, total vote in a particular election, and then their percentage of seats is drawn from their percentage uh, of of vote. But if you fall below 3.25, you don't get any seats. That's right. It's a parliamentary system, which makes it complicated because it's not a system of two parties like in America. It's a system where it's a proportional representation, which means that you get the amount, you don't have to go past, you don't have to be elected a a congressman or senator and beat anybody else in your region. There's nothing regional about it. You have parties with lists and everybody can vote for the party that they want. And out of uh, 120 members of the Knesset, the government, to form a government, you need a majority, which is 61. And so what inevitably happens is you have to get the little parties uh, in order to create a coalition, which is is a little bit of a pain because then um, small parties have a disproportionate amount of power because you need them to complete a coalition. So you have a party of five seats, which is getting a disproportionate amount of ministries, for example, uh, because they only with them can you form a government. Um, what's happened this time is that they, the Likud, the, the ruling, um, the, the, the past government got 36 seats and a new party got 35 seats. Um, however, the Likud was the, the main party who could cobble together a coalition of 61 plus seats, which means that even if the other party, the Blue and White Party, would have achieved more seats than Likud, Likud could well have still formed the next government because they're the only ones who can create a 61-seat uh, coalition. So it's a bit of a complicated system, but it's all about making deals. That's what it boils down to. It's all about making deals and who can you, you, who could, you can make deals with. Now, the Arab parties form 12 seats out of 120. So you know, it's interesting, uh, Fleur. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I want to underscore that. Sure. you. You just said the Arab parties, and for, for you for sure, and for me as well, it's, it's second nature that, of course, you know, yeah. there are Arab citizens of Israel. They get to vote. They're going to have representation, etc. Many in the United States, many in Europe, many in your home country of Great Britain have no understanding of the fact that uh, the Arabs are represented. They are represented as a w- one vote, just like any other Israeli citizen, and they have uh, quite a bit of power in uh, uh, the Knesset. They certainly could if they uh, were, were needed for any sort of coalition. Absolutely. Look, the, the Arabs are almost 20% of the country. Um, and that means that they have every the same rights 
as anybody in the country, the same rights as I do, for health, for education, for anything else that they, they need. Of course, look, just like there's discrimination in every country in the world, sometimes there's some discrimination towards Arabs. But I wouldn't say the mainstream of Israel is discriminatory towards anybody. Um, but look, I'm not going to say it doesn't happen. I'm not going to. I'm not going to paint a picture that everything's rosy. But every country has minorities. Yeah, but if, country, if it happens, uh, you have laws. You have laws to deal with it. Correct. Absolutely. Listen, like, like, absolutely. Not only that, we have uh, Arab citizens in every rank, uh, in every uh, government institution, um, and in every arm of government. You know, it's a famous, a famous saying, but it's true. You know, the the Prime Minister Olmert, who went to jail for fraud and bribery was put in jail by a high court judge who was an Arab. So, you know, the, the whole claim of an apartheid state is completely, completely false. You know, on the other side of this break, Fleur, that's exactly where I would like to pick up. So uh, I hope you can stay with us. Uh, I, I do want to talk sure. about this this uh, uh, accusation of an apartheid state. I also want to uh, continue a little bit with the election results and the different parties uh, in the state of Israel for educational purposes uh, here for folks who are listening. Make sure you stay with us. We're talking to the deputy mayor uh, who has the portfolio of foreign relations, deputy mayor of Jerusalem, Flor Hassan Nahom, direct from the state of Israel, where it is, jeez, uh, it's got to be 1230 there, Floor. We thank you very much for staying with us. We'll be back right away on the other side of the break. In the meantime, write this down and give us a call, 651-289-4488 on the Victory Hour. And while we're on this break, again, go to one of the best websites you'll find anywhere and learn about one of the best law firms, Wise Counsel Winning Results, Parker Daniels Keyboard. Go to parkerdk.com. We'll be right back. AM 1280, The Patriot. How can you protect your company's most valuable proprietary information? This is Andrew Parker of the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. We recently represented a local manufacturing company in an employment lawsuit. Our client learned that a longtime employee was leaving the company to join a direct competitor. The employee intended to help the competitor develop an automated manufacturing system that was a copy of our client's system. The employee did not have a non-compete agreement with our client. We nonetheless filed suit and brought an immediate motion to prevent the employee from beginning work with the competing company. We won and the employee was prohibited from working for the competitor. Parker Daniels Keyboard's attorneys have been advising companies on employment law matters for decades. And if you find yourself in court, our attorneys are some of the toughest and most experienced employment trial lawyers around. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard. Go to ParkerDK.com. There is nothing that they won't do to get you the help you need to become a successful student at Online Trading Academy. My name is Brian. I've been with Online Trading Academy since November 2016. What OTA has done for me, they've really opened my eyes into how the financial markets work and how a financial advisor, how do mutual funds work and how do they make money and what the expense is to me for them giving me their advice. Teaching me that I can be in control of that is really helping me save the expense that they had been taking out of my portfolio. The only criteria that you need is the internal desire to want to become a trader and take financial control of your life. Join us for a free investing class by calling pound 250 on your cell phone and use the keyword OTA or go to learnwithota.com. Is a verbal contract really only as good as the paper it's written on? This is Andrew Parker from the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. I recently represented a client in a claim for unpaid compensation. He was promised payment of $1.8 million in bonuses. His employer refused to pay, citing no written contract. We went to work. After investigation and litigation, we won the case and recovered $2.3 million for our client. Our experienced trial lawyers at Parker Daniels Keyboard have secured major victories in state and federal courts across the country. We have legal expertise in all types of business disputes, labor and employment matters, 
real estate matters, and financial transactions and appeals. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard, a premier law firm that provides efficient, aggressive, and innovative solutions to complex legal problems. Go to ParkerDK.com. We're back with Hall and Oates on the Victory Hour. Yes, indeed. And we also have and are very honored to have a special guest with us today, the Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem, live from the State of Israel on the Victory Hour, Floor Hassan Nahom, and uh, Floor. Uh, is the uh, deputy mayor and a rising star in Israeli uh, politics. And we're going to track her trajectory over the next several years uh, as her voice is becoming more and more uh, important. You can tell just from the first segment talking to Fleur that she understands the realities and difficulties of having a multicultural country like uh, the state of Israel, having the rule of law, uh, govern. Uh, it is uh, one of the most uh, liberal countries in terms of uh, freedoms, freedom of press, freedom of uh, religion, uh, freedom of expression, uh, all very, uh, uh, well, they're, they're at the height of what is important in Israeli society. And she echoes that. I wanted to uh, talk to you, Fleur, a bit about more about the election results of the most recent election. Everyone here was talking about Bibi Netanyahu sure. and is he going to get elected? Of course, people don't vote for Bibi. They vote for the party. He happens exactly. to be the leader mm-hmm. of the uh, Likud party. Yeah. And, and Likud yeah. won 36 uh, uh, seats and blue and white, the main uh, uh, antagonist of uh, Likud, the main opponent, uh, Blue and White, a new party headed by Benny Gantz, mm-hmm. who, by the way, spoke at the APAC conference and did an outstanding job. And I think everyone was very yeah. impressed with him. Uh, they got yeah. 35 seats. And so mm-hmm. you've got 36 and 35. And then you have nine other parties that got between four and eight seats. And so what you need That's to do right. if you're uh, Likud and the president of the state of Israel, who really doesn't have so much political power, but he is the one who uh, identifies the uh, party that is to put together a coalition, does so here with Bibi, the leader of Likud. And he's got to cobble together uh, to get uh, 61. He's got to cobble together 25 uh, more seats. So That's right. So the way he does it, he's got the next two largest with eight and seven are the right-wing Orthodox parties. And that's 15 more. Right-wing. Oh, they're not. All right, go ahead. Well, they're just ultra-Orthodox. Meaning that their issue is not right and left. Their issue is not uh, Palestinian, uh, Israeli. Their issue is none of that. Their issue is mainly they want to protect the rights that the Orthodox have in the state of Israel. And part of those rights actually are things that I vehemently oppose, like, for example, the young people not being drafted to the army, for example, um, for their men not to, to have exemption from working because they're scholars. I do believe that all that is fine, but, but you have to do it at a much smaller scale. And what's happening is the Orthodox are becoming very, very large uh, population group in Israel. The country just economically cannot sustain them not being part of the mainstream. And what the World Orthodox parties are there to do is to really protect their status quo of how uh, they interact with the rest of the country. So that's their main issue. And then you've got the smaller right-wing parties, who, of course, uh, have different philosophies, but they would never join forces with the blue and white party. Um, because they've got somebody like Yair Lapid, who actually is a little bit more right-wing, but he's seen as anti-Orthodox. So basically, the blue and the white was a very recent invention of three, three parties that came together in order for one thing and one thing alone, to get rid of Bibi Netanyahu. 
Yeah. And because they're a cobble of three different parties, some people are right-wing, some people are left-wing, it's such a mix. I'm not sure how long they're going to last, because Bibi being the master politician that he is, I'm sure will try and split them up by offering treats to one of the three parties. Uh, and that, that, that could work. Look, the thing is that these people are up against... Um, up against an extremely experienced and shrewd politician, and also probably the smartest person in Israel, and that's Netanyahu. Um, he already cobbled together his coalition even before the election. He probably closed in on those smaller parties. Many of them announced even before the election that they would never join a coalition with the Benny Gantz. And so he went in knowing that. What he did, what he did very successfully, was get the seats. If he wouldn't have gotten the seats, if he would have fallen five feet short of the blue and white, then, you know, you could have seen the other parties you know, making a move for Gantz. But because he got the same and even one more, there was no chance that Gantz was going to be able to form a coalition. Interesting. And the Arab parties, and the Arab parties who were 12, um, 12 seats, which is, you know, 10%, even though they represent almost 20% of the population, but they vote in lower numbers. And they got uh, 12 seats, and they, you know, they, the, the Arabs are great at cutting their nose to spite their face, as my mother used to say. So they already announced ahead of time that they weren't joining any party. So they're going to remain in the opposition. And, you know, Benny Gantz, who could have counted on 12 votes from the Arab parties, 12 seats from the Arab parties, the Arab parties have said, we're not sitting with anybody. So he doesn't have that block either. So Bibi has the authority. But Gantz doesn't have the Arab parties. And so Gantz is already starting off with a handicap. So, so it, when we're counting the seats, you've got Bibi with the 36, and then he cobbles together the 15 that come the from the ultra-Orthodox, yeah. and you're at 51. Yeah. Who else does he has yeah. he added in or to, to get the additional 10? Yeah. So he's got, um, he's got a... a Israel Batenu? So Israel Batenu was a surprise of this election. You know, it's very interesting because a lot of these small right-wing satellite parties were once people who were Bibi's closest um, party members or they were his closest uh, people who worked for him. Avigdor Lieberman, who's the head of the Israel Batenu, mainly Russian party, he was Bibi's, he was Bibi's campaign director, he was Bibi's director general of his office. You know, and what happens when you work with Bibi is eventually you get so despondent that you just go and set up your own party, and that's what's happened. And it's very interesting because two of those three parties that he's now bringing in were people who were his closest, closest uh, colleagues. So Avigdor Lieberman, who was the surprise of this election because he was polling very, very badly, managed to put together five seats. And Moshe Kachlan, the Kulanu party, cobbled together four seats. They were 10 seats in the previous administration. Kulanu, uh, Kahlon was the number two of Bibi at one point. Yeah. He was, uh, he, he's, he was a very important minister. And he, um, and so he's the four, he's four. Avigdor Lieberman is five. And then you have the small right-wing religious, not ultra-Orthodox, but religious, Zionist religious party. Um, what are they, United, United, right? Right. United Right? United yeah. Right, United Right. So they are, I think, five seats, four or five seats. Yeah. So he's got another 13 seats that he can pull in. And now he has, a, I'm not going to say a super comfortable coalition, but he has a workable coalition. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he can do it. Now, what most Israelis would dream of um, would be if, if Bibi decided or if the Blue White decided, hey, why don't we form a national unity government? And then you have to decide because he succeeds. So you have 71 seats. You have a very comfortable coalition. And then you don't have to bring in any of the fringe parties. Yeah. I mean, that would be something that people would really love. But the Blue and White announced ahead of time, we're not sitting with Didi. He's got these indictments over his head, uh, and we're not sitting with him. Um, and, and that's that. And in fact, this evening I was at an event for a, um, a non-profit organization that brings in uh, young people to volunteer for the Navy. And one of the uh, blue and white people were there. And I said to him, why don't you put the national unity government? No, we're not going to sit with Bibi. 
interesting if they uh, came together, the Blue and White and the Likud. Uh, there would be 71 seats right there. They wouldn't have to bring in the ultra-Orthodox or, or, uh, exactly. or any other fringe party with uh, their specific yeah. ideas and could uh, run the government in uh, more in yeah. the middle. But the funniest thing is that half the people in Blue and White were all people who, again, sort of fell out from the Likud. So ideologically, they're not very, very different. Right. Right. They are not very different. Uh, Bibi is a strong personality and uh, uh, sometimes uh, certainly creates animosities that uh, cause real issue. You saw that here in the United yeah. States as his relationship with Barack Obama certainly was not good. But he is very no. shrewd. He is probably one of the greatest politicians on political issues, at least anywhere in the world, and uh, yeah. he has done it again. Are you able to stay with exactly. us for one short uh, segment? Because we were not able to talk about apartheid, and I do want to do that with you uh, in particular, sure. Fleur. Excellent. Thank you very sure. much. We will be right back for the final segment of the Victory Hour today, a great show with the Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem live from the State of Israel. Make sure you stay with us. And if you want to give us a call or a question for the deputy mayor, you can certainly do that. If we have time, we will get you on the line, 651-289-4488. And while we're on this break, as you know, Parker DK waits for Wise Council winning results. Go to ParkerDK.com, and we'll be right back. Stay with us. AM 1280, The Patriot. Did your employer make you sign a promissory note when joining the company, and now you want to leave, but you're afraid your firm will pursue you personally for that debt? This is Jesse Keyboard from the law firm Parker Daniels Keyboard. I recently represented a client who had signed such a note, and I was able to get them out of their $500,000 debt to their company, which allowed them the freedom to exit a bad employment situation and enter a much better one. Meeting our clients' objectives is our focus at Parker Daniels Keyboard, and in this regard, we win. Our experienced trial team of lawyers at Parker Daniels Keyboard have secured major victories in state and federal courts across the country and through arbitration. We have the legal expertise in all types of business disputes, labor and employment matters, real estate matters, shareholder disputes, financial transactions, security issues, and appeals. For wise counsel, winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard, a premier litigation law firm that provides efficient, aggressive, and innovative solutions to complex legal problems. Wise counsel, winning results. Go to ParkerDK.com. Do you have a pressure washer in your shop that takes diesel fuel or kerosene? Are you tired of filling that tank every day? A stationary pressure washer that heats the water with natural gas or electricity from American Pressure is a great solution. Call us to discover all the ways a new stationary machine could benefit your business. We are always glad to come out to you, look at your current setup, and make recommendations. That new stationary unit will hook up to your existing natural gas line, which will save you both the cost of fuel as well as the time and effort and mess of refueling a pressure washer. The pressure washer will exhaust through the roof of your building or out the sidewall. And if it's an all-electric unit, there will be no exhaust stack at all. In addition, we've got all the right accessories to go with your machine, including trolley systems, hose reels, wands, trigger guns, and everything you need to make the cleaning job as easy and safe as it can be. How can you protect your company's most valuable proprietary information? This is Andrew Parker of the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. We recently represented a local manufacturing company in an employment lawsuit. Our client learned that a longtime employee was leaving the company to join a direct competitor. The employee intended to help the competitor develop an automated manufacturing system that was a copy of our client's system. The employee did not have a non-compete agreement with our client. We nonetheless filed suit and brought an immediate motion to prevent the employee from beginning work with the competing company. 
We won, and the employee was prohibited from working for the competitor. Parker Daniels Keyboard's attorneys have been advising companies on employment law matters for decades. And if you find yourself in court, our attorneys are some of the toughest and most experienced employment trial lawyers around. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard. Go to parkerdk.com. Rich girl, and you're gone too far, cause you know it don't matter anyway. You can rely on the old man's money. You can rely on the old man's money. It's a bitch girl, but it's gone too far, cause you know it don't matter. Anyway. We are back. It's the victory hour, and we are with the deputy mayor of Jerusalem, Floor Hassan Nahom who is not relying on the old man's notoriety, even though he had quite a bit of it. She is making her own as she is a rising star in uh, Israeli politics, frankly, uh, world politics, as her voice is being heard. And we want to hear her voice on the Victory Hour as it relates to two issues. Number one, is Israel an apartheid state? And number two, and, and I just want to lead in with this for a moment. I was talking about how Ilhan Omar, now a member of Congress, Rashida Tlaib, now a member of Congress, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, now member of Congress, all are supporters, admirers uh, in part of Louis Farrakhan, of CARE, the Council of Arab Islamic Relations. CARE, by the way is working to bring ISIS bride Hoda Muthana to America. Muthana is someone who called for the murder of innocent Americans and for Muslims to carry out jihad through terrorist attacks. This is not made up. This is a tweet that she sent out just a few years ago. Quote, Americans wake up. Men and women all together, you have much to do while you live under our greatest enemy. Enough of your sleeping. Go on drive-bys and spill all of their blood, or rent a big truck and drive all over them. Veterans, Patriot, Memorial, etc. Day parades, go on drive-bys and spill all of their blood, or rent a big truck and drive all over them, kill them. Close quote. That is what CARE stands for. That is what uh, Ilhan Omar flew halfway across the country to go speak at their organization. And, and, and while there to denigrate what happened on 9-11, that is what Rashida Tlaib supports, as well as AOC. Your comment, Floor Hassan Nahom. I just think the double standard and the fact that people don't pick up on the double standard is astounding. You know, we have a woman who is crying today because the president retweet, the president uh, wrote in a tweet, you know, shame on you, I can't remember what it was, about her comments on 9-11, you know, and, and she's saying that she's under threat, where she's quite happy to throw mud on Jews, on people who support Israel, on APAC, even calling for dual loyalty. And then when something is thrown at her, she's crying. So, you know, for people who are sensitive towards others. She's very sensitive towards her own, herself. And I find that extremely uh, hypocritical. Um, so let's start with that, you know. Um, unfortunately, what's happening is that people like Johan uh, and Rashida and AOC are on this, they're riding on this wave of, of um, on social media, short messages, and people are not really bothering to understand what the facts are, what the history is. They just take whatever these women say, they take it at face value. Um, they don't understand what's behind it. They don't understand who the organization that these women are supporting. I mean, when I tell you that Hamas sanctions 12-year-old girls getting married to 30-year-old men, they give it to them as private after the latest war or battle with Israel, we're talking about institutionalized pedophilia. This, this is what these women are supporting. We're talking about taking um, gay people and throwing them off the rooftops in Gaza. This is what these women are supporting. And that's absolutely and is happened. Is that, I mean, is that right? It, I mean, it's happening. It's happening. It happens and it's happening as we speak. You know, there's many Gazans 
who would love to live in peace. And the saddest thing is, you know, that that everything, every, all the whole conflict is portrayed as this territorial conflict. Now, let me give people some facts. In 2005, Israel withdrew from Gaza. Gaza is completely Palestinian. Now, Gaza has got the most beautiful beaches in the entire country. They could have turned this into Miami Beach. They could have turned Gaza into Miami Beach, and instead they turned it into the war zones. They, they destroyed houses that the Jews had left, that the settlement Israelis had left. They destroyed hothouses for this amazing agricultural industry that they had in Gaza. They destroyed instead of building, you know, and the state of Israel. And, and they, they claim, Fleur, they, they claim that, that, well, it's all because of the blockade, but that is bunk because the blockade no, didn't exist until, correct. The blockade, I mean, should we let arms from Iran get in through the sea or suicidal? What people don't understand is that all this talk of occupation and all this talk of blockade, all we're doing is protecting our country. You know, when people ask about the wall that's around Jerusalem, when I moved to Jerusalem 18 years ago, and I would, my husband and I would walk into a cafe, we would ask ourselves the question, where should we sit in case a suicide bomber walks into this cafe? Where would we be safer? Where would we be less maimed? These are the questions we need to ask ourselves. And then a wall was built in order for us to be able to walk the streets in peace. Because when we moved to Israel 18 years ago, and the second intifada had, had started, a bus was getting blown up every week. A restaurant was getting blown up every week. And it was only because we built a wall that we can the now... The wall protected. My- That's right. The wall protected. You, you know, know, we I, have... We so have- we're not building walls to separate. We're building walls... To protect. protect, and protect, that's what people exactly. don't realize. So uh, that's uh, what people don't realize. Fleur, let me uh, let me ask you. Let, let me ask you. We've got one minute left. In a minute, is Israel an apartheid state? Absolutely not. Israel is a country that protects its minorities. The Pal- in the West Bank, the Palestinians got autonomy. That's what came out of the Oslo process. Autonomy meant that they could vote for their own representatives. So there is a part of the Palestinians who are voting, or in their case, not voting, because Mahmoud Abbas, the head of the Palestinian Authority, is in his 15-year term of a four-year term. He's in his 15-year. So if they don't have democracy, it's their fault and not ours. And the best thing that they can do for their own people is to take responsibility and have responsible leadership and give their people what they deserve. We give our people what they deserve. It's time for them to step up and give their people what they deserve. Amen, Floor. Amen. The Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem, thank you very much for joining us this Sunday on the Victory Hour, Floor. And I wish you Godspeed. Thank you for having me. And everything wonderful. And the next time I am uh, in Israel, we will have coffee, no question. And I hope to see you soon. Amen. Bye. Thank you. So you have uh, been listening today directly from uh, the state of Israel, from Jerusalem, to the deputy mayor of Jerusalem. Next week, we'll have Karen Monahan, accuser of Keith Ellison, on the Victory Hour. And between now and then, I wish you the best of weeks. Uh, Keep your head down and uh, smart, plain talk. Always a good way to go. Talk to you next week. Freedom, justice, honor, duty, mercy. AM 1280, The Patriot. The world of business and investing is constantly changing. How are you keeping up with all the info? Most likely, you're not. Checking websites, reading trade magazines, making phone calls, checking more websites, and still not finding what you need to know. That's where Business 1440 steps in. We're your on-air guide through the fast-paced financial and business landscape. Up-to-the-minute business and investing news. Streaming now at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Millions plan for retirement online. Estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, and manage your benefits all from the comfort of your home. And give yourself the freedom to do what you want offline. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere. Allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. 
Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. AM 12. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.